All right, let's take our Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 6. Also, if you'll find uh, 2 Chronicles, chapter 26, and we'll find our way over there here in a moment. Thank you for that song, Addison. That was uh, great. I just enjoyed that. Uh, and I hope that's uh, your prayer, that you want to be used uh, by God. Uh, and, uh, and that's really what this message tonight is about. And we find in Isaiah 6... Uh, the call uh, of, uh, of the prophet Isaiah, uh, or he's rehearsing for us uh, when that took place, and then uh, his surrender. Uh, and you've heard me preach this, and somebody, I can't remember who it was, recently uh, touched on chapter number uh, 6 in Isaiah. Uh, and uh, often when I, I mean, I've got all kinds of notes in my Bible, and, and I was thinking about preaching from it, uh, in reference to missions, obviously he says, "Here am I, you know, send me." And I, and I feel every Christian uh, who realizes that they are uh, a living sacrifice, like uh, Brother uh, Diom spoke about this morning, uh, that um, we, because we're saved and because we are living sacrifices, we embrace that very thought and idea, uh, and we surrender to the Lord. For me, when it was uh, youth camp. Uh, that week I got saved. I also surrendered to the Lord that week for God to use me in whatever way. And, uh, and kind of similarly to the song, uh, I wanted God to use me. And I didn't know anything, you know. I mean, I was just, I went to camp because, you know, it was going to be fun, you know. And girls were there and, you know, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's why m- most teenagers go to camp, you know, boys and girls and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's been the, the, you know, since they've been having camps, that's the reason. So that's why we watch you uh, so much uh, when, when we're there. Uh, but, um, but when I got saved that week and, and I surrendered to the Lord and not knowing, you know, I didn't know Romans 12, um, but I just knew that um, God saved me and I wanted, you know, I wanted to, to pay him back. I guess that's the way that, that I looked at it uh, throughout that week. I can't remember the messages, uh, but that's really was uh, my thought. And, uh, and as I preached Isaiah uh, 6, uh, I've often really come at it from the point of uh, when we see God uh, in who He is. God's not just a holy God. He's a holy, holy, holy God. Uh, and, and so when Isaiah saw uh, God high and lifted up, um, and he saw several things about himself. And again, you know, he saw that he was undone. Uh, he was a man of, of, of unpure lips. And, uh, and we know what happened. We're going to read it here in just a second. But I'm not going to focus as much on um, how he viewed himself uh, through the experience of seeing God high and lifted up and who he is. But that, that's the key, all right? Uh, until you see God uh, the way he is. In fact, I have the bar- margin of my Bible. I, I have written there in some circles. And by the way, even independent Baptist circles, uh, God has been abridged. Reduced, modified, edited, changed, and amended until he is no longer uh, the God whom Isaiah saw high and lifted up. Uh, the God that most people serve today is a fairy tale, fairy tale God uh, who just, you know, he's a genie. We rub a lamp when we want stuff. Uh, and uh, we, we, he's just not uh, God of the Bible. When we realize, you know, who he is, uh, it put, kind of puts everything, our lives in perspective. Uh, and the response to that uh, from Isaiah was a surrender. So let's begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And it stood above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. 
And one cried uh, unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And by the way, that's the only triple adjective, uh, you know, like that in the Bible. Uh, in it's, it's important so to, to note that in the emphasis. And when you think of uh, Hebrew thought culture and how they wrote, in fact, we're in chapter number six. Uh, there's been five chapters of the book of Isaiah that Isaiah wrote. And in chapter number six, he's now telling us when it all started. Uh, for him. So uh, often with uh, the books we read in the Old Testament, you can't go sequential. Things happen and how they, they write. They write from bottom on the right, you know, uh, and to the top left, uh, just in structure, uh, in writing. But uh, it's different than we think. And so people say, well, there's a contradiction because what happens in Genesis chapter number 11, uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, um, they, they write different. They, didn't, they don't think the same way. Uh, that we do. So he's saying, this is when I got his call. Uh, he's rehearsing that for us. And it started with uh, this view of, uh, of God. And it says, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried with the house, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my, thy lips, and thine iniquity has taken away thy sin purge. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then said I, uh, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye in, uh, indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. And, uh, and we'll stop reading right there. And, and really God, he says, you know, uh, who will go? Uh, and Isaiah goes, count me in. Here am I, send me. And then, uh, and then God straight out of the gate tells him how hard it's going to be. Uh, and, and lists out a bunch of things that, you know, uh, that his preaching, like the, like the Bible college professors at Fellowship Baptist College when I was there, uh, how, how, you know, in 91 through 94, uh, they're like, your generation of preachers, your preaching is going to fall on deaf ears. Uh, and uh, what a great motivational speech uh, to give to, uh, to aspiring uh, pastors and missionaries and evangelists. Uh, but I understood what they're saying. And, and, and by the way, as long as, you know, we've, uh, preachers, the disciples, uh, churches that were started in the first century till now, we've all been preaching the Lord's coming back. Uh, and, uh, and we've been living with that sense of urgency uh, ever since. So he, um, Isaiah, uh, telling us about when he was called of God, uh, and he volunteered, said, here am I, send me. Uh, and then God says, I'm going to make the heart of the people fat, their, ear, their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest, their, uh, lest, their eyes and, uh, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and be convert, converted. I, I would have been like, okay, um, um, can we not do that? <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like you said, who's going to go? And I said, me. And then you tell me, you know, uh, how bad it's going to be and how hard it's going to be. Uh, and there were several um, that, of prophets that were contemporary to Isaiah, Jonah, Zechariah, um, Amos, uh, others. Uh, and so this is where God's calling. So he saw God. His response was, I'm undone. When you see God as he is, he's not your homeboy. He's not your buddy. He's not the man upstairs. He's not dear baby Jesus. He is the thrice holy God of the Bible. And when you see him as he is, uh, in fact, he says, you know, I am holy, uh, be ye holy. Uh, so we're to be as God is. So when you see God, uh, the holiness of God, you become more holy, not less holy. 
but modern Christianity kind of teaches you the closer you get, you get to God, the less like God you need to be. It's not about religion, it's about relationship, uh, and, uh, and it's the furthest thing from the truth in the Bible, and it's a lie of the devil, and it's why we have so much casual Christianity today, uh, is because we've curated an image of God that is not the God of the Bible. So if, if, if you've not had uh, an Isaiah chapter number 6 experience, if I can use that word, we're not charismatics, uh, but if you've never been to a place where God has made himself that real, uh, and you saw God in that way, um, it's a good chance you've struggled with a lot of decisions and things in your life. Um, you may have even missed the will of God uh, in some aspects. Um, I know there are people who, who've communicated a call of God on their life uh, and, uh, and then haven't followed through with that call uh, for numerous reasons. Uh, but it could be because we get caught up with life and everything else. Uh, but um, the call of God is without repentance. So if, if you felt like God has called you um, to, to, to serve Him, um, now he, in a general sense, He's called us all to serve Him. All right? But I'm talking about um, serving Him with your life in some capacity. We all need to serve Him with our lives. But full-time as a missionary, as a, as a pastor, uh, and it's, by the way, it's never too late to repent uh, and to get that right and then follow the Lord. Uh, you say, but I'm, you know, uh, I'm 70, I'm 80. So, you know, Joshua, Caleb, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? So we know in the Bible it's not an age limit uh, to the call of God. Uh, those limitations are things that we have put on there. So uh, uh, for sake of time, we understand he sees God uh, for who he is, then he sees himself for who he is. And the response of seeing the holiness and the, having the presence of God there is, is surrender. Um, when we serve that kind of God, the God of the Bible, um, everything else. Uh, I referenced uh, in one of the, might have been this morning even, I can't remember, but um, I think it was Wednesday. Uh, when we, uh, watching what's going on in Israel, in the Middle East, in Gaza, um, when I've seen some interviews of Palestinians, um, both in, the, in Gaza and, and other, other places, they're like, hey, it's like we live our religion. Our religion is, is that's first and foremost, and we'll, we die for uh, our religion. So you've got people uh, around the world that, you know, for them, um, dying uh, or, or suicide or killing other people uh, they just live knowing like, hey, I'm going to, you know, the belief is um, this is nothing in heaven or whatever is, is the greatest thing. And they live that out. Um, Bible-believing Christians, um, on the average, uh, have not even, even close to the level of devotion uh, that Hamas has or, uh, you know, uh, extreme Islam has. Uh, and it's not that I agree with it, uh, but I can respect the devotion that people have, and I wish that we had that level of devotion uh, for the God uh, that we read about here in Isaiah chapter number 6. Everybody with me? So, so my title tonight of this message is this. Um, when your king dies, uh, maybe you'll see. Uh, when your king dies, maybe you'll see. And I'll explain uh, that here in a minute. So back to the first verse in chapter number 6. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died... Now, one of the preachers recently elaborated a little bit uh, about what that meant. In this chapter, it, in a sense, 
it gives us some chronology or a time. Uh, we can look uh, in Scripture and we know uh, that uh, King Uzziah um, reigned from the time he was 16 years old uh, and reigned until for 52 years. All right. So you look in history and say, okay, this is the year. So we know when Isaiah's call was because it was in the year that King Uzziah died. By the way, um, he's, he's also known as Azariah uh, in the Bible. And I'll, I'll point that out here in a minute. In fact, I was reading a commentary earlier today about, you know, why is, why is he called um, Uzziah here and Azariah in another place? And, and the reason that the commentator give, gave was because it was an error in translation. All right? Um, no, it wasn't. All right? Part of the reason could be that the high priest um, in, at that exact same time had the exact same name. Uh, his name was Azariah as well. And it could, could possibly that God helped us out a little bit uh, by... Uh, by uh, how he recorded it in Scripture. But he is referred to as Azariah uh, in uh, 1 Kings 14. We might, we might get there. Uh, so Azariah and, uh, and Uzziah, same people. But we're reading about uh, him by this name uh, here in chapter number 6. So history, or um, he's saying, this is the year that God called me. Uh, but I want to look at that for just a, uh, for just a second. So let's go back to Second um, Chronicles chapter number 26. Um, again, you can read about uh, his reign in First uh, Kings 14 and, and then subsequent uh, chapters after that. And, and again, he is called, um, you know, Azariah uh, in Second uh, Kings 14, not First Kings 14, Second Kings chapter number 14. Uh, but... Uh, in chapter number 26, uh, we have uh, a, a good summary uh, of the life uh, of uh, King uh, Azariah, King Uzziah. And he was one of the good kings uh, of Judah. Remember, there was a divided kingdom. And, uh, and you say, why is that relevant? Well, you know, the, the whole world's on fire right now, um, uh, you know, over a piece of land uh, that uh, in the Middle East that God said he's, that he gave to his chosen people and swear to them. Uh, and at one point in history, um, well, a lot of points in history, uh, it, uh, it would belong to um, Israel, uh, and, uh, and then there was a divided kingdom, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. The, so the kingdom of Judah, Uzziah, uh, and when you read the Old Testament, First Kings and the Chronicles, um, God lays out, this, is, this guy is a good guy, this guy was a bad guy. <laughs> uh, this one did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and then oftentimes failed in some way. Uh, they didn't give it all to God. Uh, they tore down um, altars, um, but they, uh, you know, there's always like Naaman. He was, he was this and this and this. He was, you know, a great guy, but he was a leper. All right. Uh, and, and we all have that type of, could be described in that some way. Uh, there's always uh, that, that uh, conjunction uh, that is there uh, to, uh, to describe us. So it says in verse 1 of chapter 26, then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. Uh, and he built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept uh, with his father. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 uh, and 2 years in Jerusalem. Uh, by the way, those same commentators I was reading, they, dis they dispute how many years uh, that um, you know, he reigned. Uh, for me, I'm just a simpleton. I'm like, oh, the Bible says 52. So I'll go 52. Uh, and, uh, well, this historian and that historian, I'm like, well, 
52, uh, and because uh, uh, God uh, kind of knows that kind of stuff, uh, and, uh, and we find that. So he was a good king. His father was King Amaziah. His mother uh, was a woman named Jechaliah. Uh, she was from Jerusalem, and, uh, and, uh, and you know that he's the father of King Jotham because it talks about when he dies, uh, who uh, began to reign after him. And so ministering during Uzziah's uh, 52-year uh, kingdom uh, reign was Hosea, uh, Hosea um, Isaiah, obviously, because we're reading that. Uh, Amos, I mentioned Jonah, uh, Zechariah uh, as well. Uh, and in fact, we read uh, in uh, verse number 5 uh, of, of chapter 26, And he sought God uh, in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Uh, we know from history that, you know, God, when, when His children obeyed, uh, God blessed. When they disobeyed, uh, God chastened them. Uh, and, uh, and that was really the pattern throughout all, uh, all of the, the Word of God. Uh, so the kings in the northern kingdom of Israel during this time were uh, Jeroboam II, uh, and then also um, uh, Zechariah, King Zechariah, uh, and, and several others. So there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, kings in the northern kingdom, while in the southern kingdom uh, was one for those 52 years. Uh, and and uh, he was 16 years old, uh, and the Bible says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and God blessed him, and as long as he sought the Lord, uh, that uh, he prospered. Uh, so, but there was a time uh, after it, Zechariah uh, died uh, that, um, um, you know, he made some mistakes, uh, which I could spend uh, this entire sermon on spiritual influences uh, and the importance of, of helping keep people on track. Uh, and when that spiritual influence, the prophet Zechariah passed away, um, the, you know, he came off the rails uh, and made some poor choices. Uh, so social, um, spiritual social pressures uh, are what they are, and they're good. They're not bad. Uh, and so positive peer pressure uh, is, is, a, uh, is a good thing. Uh, and uh, so when we read in Second Chronicles 26, like from verse 6 down through verse number 15, uh, it gives us a list of things about um, Uzziah's accomplishments. And he was very innovative, uh, and uh, he was intelligent. Uh, and, and under his um, leadership, Judah prospered. Uh, so let's read about that. Verse 6 says, And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod among the Philistines. And by the way, isn't that, I mean, that right there is like Escalon, Ashdod, all those places down the Palestinians are saying that belongs to them. Um, it, it, it didn't. Um, it belonged to the Philistines, and that's where the name Palestine had come from, uh, but wasn't for, you know, a couple thousand years after uh, that the British, uh, well, um, we uh, read the other night that uh, during uh, uh, the reign of, I forget, um, they started it. So British, when, they came, when that area came under British rule, uh, that's what they named, uh, they renamed it uh, Palestine because of, uh, of a king in centuries before that. So uh, he uh, was used by God to defeat the Philistines in verse number 7. Uh, we see that he built fortified towers 
uh, and strengthened the armies of Judah in verses 9 and, and 14. Uh, he commissioned skilled men and created um, um, newfangled devices to shoot arrows and large stones at enemies from the city walls. Uh, verse number 15, I like that whole. It says, um, and he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men. Uh, to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And, this na- and his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. All right. And so God blessed him uh, and he built up the land. Uh, in verse 10, it says that he loved the soil, the land. He digged many wells and uh, much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains. Husbandmen also and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. All right. Uh, he loved uh, he loved the land and he loved the farm and he developed that. In fact, when you look in, in Israel now, uh, in the northern part of it, that's where the valley of, of Megiddo is, and, and that's the breadbasket of Israel. Uh, and all that farmland is there. And and by the way, when Armageddon takes place, um, the, it's there's blood up to the horse's bridle in that valley. Uh, when all the, the kingdoms come, whatever. And, and again, it's kind of, we look at the news now and, you know, with Israel and what's going on and all the China's bringing warships over and all the kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and um, again, we've got to get the timelines and stuff right. But all that, what it is, um, God's people are going to prevail. Uh, and, uh, and there's some time and stuff that's there. But, you know, again, we read the back, what well, gives us comfort. Uh, one of the things is that we, we understand what the Bible says about God's, about God's people. The Ammonites uh, paid tribute to King Uzziah. Uh, we read about that, verse 18, 15, his fame spread. Uh, and, uh, but unfortunately, uh, King Uzziah's fame uh, and his strength uh, made him become proud. And that's what we read about. But when uh, he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Look at verse number 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted, lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah, the priest, and that's an, another reason uh, why I think personally uh, how the language in God using the names because there's a little bit of confusion. In fact, when you read in Second Kings, you're like, Azariah here and Azariah there, and it gets... Uh, it kind of gets conflated a little bit and you get confused. But here we know Azariah, the priest, uh, and, uh, and the, um, it says fourscore priests of the Lord. So 80 men, 80 valiant men, basically tried to tell Uzziah, stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> right? uh, it really is what they were saying. It's like you were the only people that burned incense on the altar were the priests. So he got so strong and so mighty uh, and, and filled with pride that he overstepped uh, and went into the temple uh, and to burn incense, and he broke the law of God. Uh, and because it didn't, it, it says, well, verse 18, and they withstood Uzziah, the king, always a dangerous thing, you know, at that time, you know, you, you uh, denounce or you, um, you, know, you say something that king don't like, off with your head. <laughs> uh, and, but so 80 of them, uh, maybe there was uh, some strength in numbers, maybe they thought. Uh, and uh, they all said, uh, This appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, unto the priests and the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, get out of here, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord. Then Uzziah was wroth, 
and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, uh, the leprosy even rose up on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord uh, from beside uh, the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him. And behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. Uh, and of course, it says that he lived in a several house uh, in verse number 21. Uh, and uh, and uh, he lived there, uh, and, uh, and he died. Uh, as um, um, really as a direct result of his disobedience to God, and the leprosy uh, overtook him. Uh, so he lived in a, a several house, a separate palace, uh, uh, until separated from everybody until that time. Verse 22, now the rest... Of the acts of Uzziah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the barrow which belonged to the kings. For they said, He is a leper, and Jotham his son reigned in his stead. And again, you can peek over, uh, well, let's just do that real quick, uh, in Second Kings chapter number 14. 2 Kings chapter number 14 to kind of give you a little bit of idea and then maybe uh, homework you can read about that. It says in verse 1, In the second year of Joash, son of Jehoaz, king Israel, uh, reigned Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah. Uh, and he began uh, to reign. Uh, Amaziah, I was saying uh, Azariah. So uh, Amaziah. Uh, and, uh, and, and here we have uh, all these names in the Chronicles and it's, it's listed out there uh, for us uh, in the Scripture. So uh, Saying all that today to say this, um, when, Uzziah, when Isaiah, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, God called him. Um, the people uh, of Judah, um, alongside uh, with, with the prosperity uh, and the blessings and the fame and all that was happening uh, in Judah at that time, uh, really kind of lulled them into uh, a complacency right along with their king. Uh, they enjoyed uh, the, the prominence, they enjoyed uh, the prosperity uh, and the consistency. While in the north uh, there were um, changes, multiple changes through that time, uh, you had uh, the one man, uh, inventive, uh, intelligent, uh, but he got lifted up with pride and God took care of him. All right. And by the way, we see that often uh, in Scripture uh, and we know that pride comes before what? The fall, uh, so God lays a great premium premium upon uh, the uh, humility, uh, and we're to ask God. Uh, he gives grace, more grace to the humble. So in his strength, um, he felt like maybe he didn't need God, uh, and then felt like he, you know, he could go into the temple and burn incense, uh, and then God uh, made him uh, a leper, and that's how uh, his life uh, ended. Fifty-two years. Uh, of, of a lot of positive things. Uh, and in that moment, uh, leprosy uh, takes care of him. And so <clears throat> this morning, uh, I, I referenced this kind of in a way uh, when I talked about Esther briefly during the invitation time. Uh, when we read the book of Esther, or you read people who've read the book of Esther and they preach on or whatever, um, Esther is always kind of elevated to this courageous woman who God used in such a time as this or whatever. But when you read the story, uh, it's, it's not that way. Uh, and in, even in that culture, really what, in part what happened uh, was uh, the king uh, wanted uh, to flaunt his beautiful wife uh, to everybody, and she refused, and he decided he needed a new queen. 
Uh, and, uh, and in that moment, um, it, because of Esther and her beauty, etc., and Mordecai, uh, and uh, all that happened, and, and you read about that uh, in, in there, chapter number 4 uh, and on, really it was, as I referenced in the invitation time, it wasn't courage. It was desperation. There were really two choices. The choices were, um, remember, Haman had uh, put together a plan to exterminate the Jews uh, throughout the kingdom. Um, this has been happening since the beginning of time, uh, Jew-hating uh, and anti-Semitism all the way back. Um, we know that God uses the affairs of men. Uh, what men mean for evil, God means for good. In fact, Brother Diom referenced that briefly uh, in, uh, in the lessons about uh, you know, some of the things that took place uh, with him uh, in the Philippines. Uh, so um, God uh, will use uh, those events. And so it was either they get wiped out because they're Jews, um, or let's take a chance and, and we'll send you to the king. And if he finds, so it was either short death, certain death or potential death. Because if the king was displeased with her, um, you know, she would be put to death too. So it really was a, you know, um, a situation, a desperate, you know, uh, bottom of the ninth, uh, you know, two outs, you know, and, uh, and two strikes type of a thing. So we, I get it and I understand that. And, and so if you read, you know, uh, whether you watch, if you watch VeggieTales uh, or if you, you read in some children's book, uh, Esther is always painted in, in this way that, that really, and I, and I kind of don't mind uh, to a certain degree because uh, we need people who, who, that God will use. Uh, but when you read the book of Esther, it isn't, kinda, it isn't like that. Uh, in everything from just the whole relationship stuff and, you know, all the different things. And, um, you know, it, it, it was um, uh, not God's ideal. All right. Uh, a desperate swing uh, in the bottom of the ninth that God used. Uh, because the king um, chose her, and then she's like, you know, he's like, uh, I love you, I'm paraphrasing, whatever you want, even half the kingdom all. Uh, and in the end, we know that she had um, Haman uh, hung on the, on the gallows that were prepared uh, for Mordecai. And he'd go by and he'd see Mordecai, and he's just bitter, uh, and, uh, and on and on and on. So God used that event uh, and that Hail Mary uh, to a certain extent for His glory and in His plan. He's a sovereign God, and we don't know. Uh, and uh, and the, what I was referencing in part, and I didn't get to because of, of the time and the invitation, I didn't want to preach another message in the moment knowing I was preaching tonight, is I feel that uh, we are in a, in a moment in time uh, where, where uh, is, there's going to be kind of an end of an era. All right? Now, I know preachers, um, you know, I've been to places like, there used to be God Save America rallies, and I would go to those. And, and we talk about revival and revival in America. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying that God can't give a, a revival in America, in His churches, but when we read the Bible, we know that in the last days, there's going to be a great apostasy uh, within, within you know, the churches, and a, a great falling away. And when, it doesn't matter what book you pick up and read about eschatology and end time prophecy and Gog and Magog and uh, in the armies of the north, etc., um, you will not find in those references any reference to the United States of America. 
Um, it's, it's just it's absent, all of that. And again, you could, people, I've heard people say, well, it's Gog and Meg, it's not Russia and China and Iran or whatever. And I've heard the op, you know, all, the, all the speculations and who it is. And so it doesn't matter what conclusion you draw from Ezekiel, Daniel, and all the, uh, the pictures and the kingdoms and toes and iron and uh, in all that's involved with that, America is just nowhere to be found. And so um, I pray for revival and I pray that God would bless because in the, we, need to pre- we need to preach the gospel. And we need to see people saved. Uh, but I also believe the book, and I don't see America uh, in the typology and in all of the, of the interpretations of end time. I just don't see them there. All right? Uh, so I feel, in part, uh, that uh, we're coming to, uh, in our country, in all kinds of ways. Our country is crazy right now. Uh, and, and, and it's just from... The politics of it to the, you know, the, you know, the open borders and you know, all, all these protests and, and, and how, how absurd uh, what they say. And it was just, it makes no, we call that which is evil good. That was good evil. It's like, it's, it's like in the days of Noah. And that's why we know uh, that we're in those latter days. Uh, and before uh, the Trump sounds and, and we're raised in the rapture, I think times are going to get tough. Not tribulation tough. Not the last three and a half years of tribulation tough. Uh, and I'm thankful that God calls us out. But, but, but you know, we may be here uh, for um, a world war. Uh, and we may, we're already witnessing the downfall of America in many, uh, many ways, not just in the eyes of the world, uh, but in the devaluing of the dollar and uh, in just, um, you know, the, the national debt, uh, we, we're on a freight train uh, that, is, that is not, it's not a good, it's not a, you know, uh, an Amtrak ride across the country so you can see the mountains kind of a train. Uh, it is off the rails, disaster kind of a train. You say, boy, you're not really encouraging me tonight. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying, uh, if you, you, you love the Bible and read the Bible, uh, and as much as we pray for revival in, uh, in America, we may see some of that, but I don't, I don't see a national revival uh, in, um, in our future. And so what I do see uh, is tough times. But, but what I love about that is every time you see that in the Bible, God does great things. Again, not because I want to, I'm sadistic or that I want, you know, uh, you know, bad things to happen and whatever. But, uh, but I know that through all that, God gets the glory and that God has a purpose and a plan in all of that. Um, and it just so happens that for most of us, I'd say 90 some percent of Christians, we don't get a fire, you know, in us until something bad happens. Um, and so there's going to be a whole lot of that kind of stuff in the future. And so uh, you, you, we got to pray, Lord, you know, Lord, come quickly. Uh, and, uh, and, the, and the quicker he comes, uh, the less, you know, chances are or whatever. I mean, it'd be great, you know, if he came back tonight. We know that. And we, we long for that. We hope. That's a hope of glory. Um, but, but we're in a time uh, where there's a, there's a change in a transition. Uh, in America, I love America. Please don't get me wrong. Um, um, America is different today uh, than it has been historically. Uh, and, uh, and we're not going in a good direction. Would you agree? And so, so things are going to change. 
Uh, and, uh, and again, we see it, you know, we, you know, um, it just, it, I can't wrap my mind around people excusing away beheading babies. Um, I mean, I, I kind of understand it because we've been killing, killing babies for a long time. And by the way, and, and maybe one of the reasons why you don't see America uh, in, in biblical prophecy is that every nation in the word of God that killed their children, God wipes out. Every single one. And, uh, and so um, maybe that could be part of it. That's just, that's renoology. <laughs> uh, so please don't necessarily quote me on that, but could be uh, one of the reasons uh, why God judges. And by the way, the, the world um, and the anti-Semitism, God used Israel throughout the course of history to exact judgment uh, on um, all these nations who are laying claim to that land. And, uh, and so some of it is just, is just plain bitterness and retaliatory and, uh, and hatred for what God, uh, how God blessed them and, 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 and cursed their countries. Uh, and, uh, and we're seeing so many biblical things just unfolded uh, before our eyes. But we're at the end of an era. Here's my point, and I'm done. One, one application from all of this tonight. And I want to encourage you, read about you know, the kings and, uh, and uh, the history there. Uh, but, but I've always, when I've read chapter number six, I've always thought there's more, you know, that, you know, in the year that King Uzziah died, and then we read chapter number six. Like, why did, why did he write that? Well, Isaiah, under inspiration, writes it. And again, there's a very practical application of it. was like, this is when God called me. This was the year. Um, but that year, uh, as this was read, you know, as Jews re- read this, uh, they understood that that was like that was the end of like fifty-two years of awesomeness uh, in Judah, uh, and 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 in Judah, there's a lot of things that took place after that that were not good. Uh, even you know we see the glory and the testimony and the legacy of U- Uzziah um, kind of fizzled away because of his his pride and his disobedience. Uh, and, and by the way, that's, you know, when we think of, most people, you, you say, you know, who's David in the Bible? What do, they, who, what do they tell you he did? You know, it's always, well, it's either David and Goliath or David and Bathsheba. Uh, but for, for, for a lot of people, uh, it's the latter. And, uh, and you know this, uh, it's like one, one terrible act undoes, you know, years and decades of good things. And that's what people will remember uh, and, uh, and so it's a um, uh, same thing uh, with Uzziah. Uh, but maybe it is that we don't have an Isaiah chapter number 6 view of God uh, because we've got, because our king, um, our idol, uh, the thing that we worship and that we obey and follow is not dead. Uh, and I think God's doing, taking some of that with what I mentioned on the run-up to this, but there could be a lot of things. Um, I really feel that the average Christian, we know we can be as close to God as we want to be. God says, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh unto you. Uh, we can have communion and in, in, in fellowship with God on a very personal, intimate level. We can, uh, we can, we can go before the throne of grace, and, and he's, he's our Father. We cry, Abba, there's relationship. We're his child, and he loves us and cares for us. He, all the Psalms and uh, his, his, his watch care, all of that, uh, we're blessed uh, in that way. Um, but, but I think a lot of Christians uh, are afraid that if they get close to God, 
Um, and they get a view, a view of God, a biblical view of God, and draw, draw nigh to Him that God might call them. And, and here's why that's a legitimate concern. Because everywhere in the Bible where somebody draws close to God, in that way, God, God uses them. Um, but, you know, it might be that I just, I just feel like deep down, you know, within me that that is one of the biggest reasons why Christians today in local churches aren't being called and sent or whatever is because, or they're not walking with God like, because they're afraid that if, they, that if they devote themselves to God, that God will take and use them uh, in some capacity to serve Him that will bring them out of their comfort level. Uh, and uh, by virtue of the, of the death of Uzziah, uh, and Jotham coming in uh, and being different and et cetera, there, there was, a, there was a, a change, a transition uh, in, in Judah, uh, but which marked uh, in Scripture for us as we read Isaiah 6, that's when God called him. When the king died, he saw the king high and lifted up. Um, and, and maybe what it takes for us to see our king, King Jesus, high and lifted up, is the death of whatever is keeping us from seeing that. Uh, and again, that's not, you know, that's just how I, now as I read that, that's just what I'm thinking and I see uh, because I'm trying to wrap my mind around what's wrong with people uh, that, they, that they won't. And I know it's idols and we love the world and the things of the world. And, uh, and, and it just, it, it often takes like God to rattle our cage so hard through some circumstance uh, or whatever for, for God to get our attention. And, and that's not how God, He chastens us. And when He does those things, it's, not, uh, it's, it's, it's corrective, it's not punitive. But because we're stubborn and hard-headed, and all the times that, you know, um, we, we've all probably at times in the middle of difficulty have said, like, God, if you help me, I'll do better. Um, it, it's that, you know, there's no atheists and foxholes kind of a thing. Uh, but like for Christian, it's like, you know, God, God, you know, God, if you, if you can get me through this, this problem, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. God brings us through. And it's kind of like, I wish God in those moments, whether it's the Holy Spirit or audibly or whatever, uh, he, if he just said something like, you know what, Bob, I heard that before. Uh, because we've all, we've all promised things to God that we've, we've taken back. And in uh, and, uh, and time and time again. So just maybe um, one of the things that's keeping us from seeing the thrice holy God of the Bible and that revolutionizing, because when we see him that way, um, it, it, the, res- the natural response is service. Here am I. Send me. Like, well, I don't want that. And so what do people do? Well, they don't, they don't commune with God. They, they don't have a devotional life. They don't pray uh, like they should. They uh, go to church once every three weeks. Because, you know, when, when you come up to this altar and pray and, and, and say, God, here am I, send me, guess what God will do? He'll send you. And, uh, and so part of the reason we don't, and I, I bemoaned that, uh, uh, you know, last week or something, I felt like, you know, in, in all the years in ministry that, uh, I, I regret not seeing as many. Now, I know I'm not in charge of it. Um, but, but in part, I'm accountable for it. I, I'm going to stand before God and give an account for this church and every, every church that I've you know, served in, whatever. Uh, that's the work that I'll be called an account for. 
And, uh, and, and so when, when people don't see God the way that it, he is, it's natural for me uh, to feel like I've not communicated it effectively. I've not preached the word of God in a way that people can understand it. Um, why aren't people, uh, you know, uh, seeing the thrice holy God uh, like Isaiah chapter number six? Uh, and, uh, and part of the reason could be that, um, you know, uh, our, we have some other king who our eyes are on. Some other idol, some other thing, some other goal, some other aspirations. Uh, and uh, and we're, we're not living dead to self and alive unto Christ and crucified lives and, and uh, living sacrifices. And so knowing that's what the Word of God says, like, why aren't we? Um, and that's what I really want you to think about. Um, you could just you think about it this way. God, um, why, why am I not a 35-year veteran missionary to the Philippines. Why? And then listen to that still small voice in the Holy Spirit of God. And maybe God will say, because you weren't willing. And, uh, and then, then the follow-up question is like, well, um, why wasn't I willing? And then maybe the Holy Spirit of God goes, because you love money. You love comfort. Um, you, you, you don't walk with me. Uh, you don't talk to me. Um, and just ask them why. I don't believe every single Christian is called to full-time service. All right? Um, people, people um, there's, whatever vocation God has called you to, you're supposed to do that with all your heart. <laughs> and as unto the Lord. Please don't misunderstand me. But I have personal friends who, you know, I've been in the ministry for 30-some years now, and um, who who expressed a call of God, went to Bible college, was there when I was there, and they've not, they, they've not fulfilled that call. And I feel like they're going to stand before God and give an account for that. And the one I'm thinking about, you know, the reason they gave is like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to, go to the mission field until I'm out of debt. Well, they must still be in debt 30-some years later. Because otherwise, you know, and again, um, why, you know, if, if we're supposed to be living sacrifices uh, and uh, we're praying the Lord of the heart, again, it's not right for us to pray that God sends forth labors into a harvest if we're not willing to labor ourselves. But just, I want you to ask yourself during the invitation night, why am, why am I not a missionary? Um, and the Holy Spirit will go, you're a missionary right where you live. You are a missionary. How, God, how come you haven't called me to, uh, to preach? It's like, I I did go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's, a, that's your job, not just mine. And Brother Diom pointed that out. Uh, God, you know, uh, why, why didn't you call me to be evangelist? You're supposed to do the work of an evangelist. Um, it all comes down to our unwillingness and for whatever reasons they are. But just do inventory and ask God about that uh, tonight as we pray. Let's all stand. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. And this is a, 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 I'm trying to prepare us for our mission revival and as to a certain degree with Brother Graham next week. Um, but we will never do in our life anything that God wants us to do uh, unless we get a proper view of who God is and who we are in Christ, not just positionally, but practically. Uh, realize that there are general calls on all of us to preach the gospel, to be, to be a soul winner. Um, but um, have you ever said, God, here am I. He says the harvest truth is plentiful, labors are few. We've heard, I've preached on it, somebody else preached on it recently. 
Um, the kingdom harvest is there. Pray, he, there's, there needs to be more laborers in that harvest. You say, God, why, why, you know, why haven't you called me to be a laborer in that harvest? And then the Holy Spirit might just say, I did, but you didn't listen. And maybe that could be. Maybe he didn't, and you're off the hook tonight. Uh, but maybe he has. And so let's just spend a little time with the Lord tonight. As the panel begins to play, the invitation is open. Uh, and just pray. I, I, think, I think every, every man uh, should desire the office of a bishop. God says that, that if you desire the office of a bishop, you desire a good thing. I think every born-again child of God should aspire to um, full-time Christian service. It might not be what God calls you to do. But I think, I think we ought to say, Lord, hear my, send me. And if God's never... Uh, you've never felt a call. Um, I feel the Macedonian call every time I hear him, every single one. In fact, you've heard me from this pulpit say, man, I hope, I wish God would call me to be a missionary. And he hasn't. Uh, but I would, I would, I'll, I want to go anywhere that God wants me to go and do anything that God wants me to do. And you say, well, you know, you must be special. I'm not. In fact, the Bible says God calls the simple and the foolish and the base things. You know, if a preacher understands who he is in Christ, he knows that when God reached into his toolbox uh, and, uh, and said, I'm going to use you, uh, it was um, the simple, fool, uh, foolish, the base things. I'm thankful for the call of God in my life. But um, I, just, I just believe there are more Christians sitting in churches, in pews every Sunday that God has a plan for them above and beyond what they're doing for, for, for Jesus right now, but we refuse to do it. He calls, but we don't answer. We, we, we turn a blind eye and a deaf ear. Uh, and, um, you know, you think about it just relationally. You know, somebody, somebody is courting somebody or they're interested in somebody, but they can't be too interested. Because if they're too interested, they're like, hey, put a ring on it. Uh, you know, if you, you know, you're too, you're too, too bought in, it means you go to the next step. Uh, and a lot of Christians are that way. They don't walk with God to the, to the way that God wants, because they're afraid that God might say, you know what, you know who I'm going to send? You.